0: Psalm 63, we got a little section of, of, of these, these psalms here that it is, it is suggested by some that possibly what was going on in this time period was when David was on the run from his son Absalom. Now, some of these psalms, we don't know what was going on, and some we have to kind of guess. We can look back at Samuel and see David's life and things that he went through. And in some of these Psalms, there may be a few occasions that they would fit with, and we just don't know when these things could have occurred. It could have been that David wrote words like these when he was fleeing from Saul, or it could have been when he was on the run from his son Absalom. So we don't know exactly what was going on in David's life. Uh, but we do know he was going through a tough time. Psalm 63 is where we will be. Psalm 63, we will, Lord willing, get through uh, the, whole, the whole verse. Uh, we, can, we can imagine in whatever situation David might have been going through, we can imagine the difficulty that he was experiencing. If it was, if it was either the situation where Saul was out to kill him or the situation where his son was trying to overthrow him, David's own son Absalom, was uh, rallying the people of Jerusalem uh, to follow him, and and that left David pushed out of town for a long time, and that was a difficult time, and that was uh, twice we saw there in Scripture where David was uh, fleeing for his life, and so we can at least imagine if it's one of those situations, uh, kind of what David might have been going through when he penned these words. So let's pray and we will jump in. Father God, we come to you tonight and I thank you for your words and I pray that you just would hide me behind the cross, help me to preach and teach in a way that's going to bring glory to you. And I pray God that we would be like David in these words that he penned, that, that our life would be like that, that we would trust you in the way that he trusts you. And I pray God that you Clear our minds of all the worries and stresses of the world tonight, God, but that in these few minutes that we give you the time. And I ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, the superscription reads, and I think I said this last week, but some of your Bibles may not include those superscriptions. However, I believe that they should be there because they're in every manuscript that we have of the Psalms (laughs) these little superscriptions that are before some of the psalms are in there. So uh, some of your translations may not have this, but I do believe it is just as significant. And the superscription to this psalm says a Davidic psalm when he was in the wilderness of Judah. So kind of a general topic there. Uh, That's why it's difficult for us to know exactly what was going on. It says in the wilderness of Judah, but that doesn't tell us anything about David's situation about the time in David's life, about why he was in the wilderness of Judah, Uh, we simply do not know that. But in verse 1, it says, God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you in a land that is dry, desolate, and without water. So I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. Now, some of our translations may differ a little bit here on this verse, first verse. Now, my translation says, God, you are my God, I eagerly seek you. And the majority of translations say that. They're, they're, and actually, the King James may be the only one that says early. I, I seek you early, or early I seek you, or something along those lines. And the Hebrew word that that is used there uh, can mean either of those things. And so Either translation would be correct, but if you notice that there's a difference there in what I said or what your translation says, that is the reason why. And so both could be true. Uh, The fact that David says, I eagerly seek you, could be true. David could be saying, I seek you early. That could be true, that as soon as David wakes up, he's saying, the first thing I do is seek the Lord. Uh, So I don't know which one of those is most accurate, but but in our lives, both are accurate. We should seek the Lord early and eagerly. That would be a good way for us to start our morning, to start our day. And that's how David starts this psalm here. God, you are my God. That's a, that's a good word of praise, a good a good word of, of encouragement, a good word of trust to start off saying, God, you are my God. David is saying there, I trust you, or at least I believe that's what he's saying. And he says here, I Thirst for you, my body faints for you in a land that is dry, desolate, and without water. So perhaps David is speaking uh, 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 symbolically here in this language that he's using, or perhaps he literally is in a desert. Perhaps the situation that he is going through, he is referring to it as a desert, or he is literally in the desert and whatever he's going through and it is a hot dry and and desolate place but whether it's physical or whether it's literal what david says is god i thirst for you i'm in the middle of this desert and god i thirst for you in the middle of the dryness and the and the desolateness even though there is no water my body faints for what for you david is seeking the Lord. In the midst of this desert, he is seeking the Lord. Now, again, whichever way we want to interpret this, there is there is good application for our life. If we, are, if we are literally in a place where we are thirsty and hungry, in a desolate place, then what do we need to do? We need to seek the Lord. If spiritually, we are in a desert, in a spiritual desert, where we are spiritually dry, where we where we just don't we're just not on fire for the Lord, where we're spiritually we just feel like we are, we are thirsty. What do we do? Well, the only way that our thirst can be quenched is by the Lord, and so we seek the Lord. That's, that's part of when we talk about fasting and see fasting mentioned, uh, especially in the New Testament and the command for as Christians to fast, That's part of what's, what's being talked about there. Jesus, before he started his ministry, he went into the wilderness and he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, when you fast, you don't eat or you don't drink. But what's the purpose of that? Well, when you're not eating and you're not drinking, every time you start feeling that hunger, you're saying, I'm not gonna worry about the worldly things. I'm going to devote myself to God. And so when the hunger pain hits, when the thirst pain hits, what do we do when we're fasting? Do we reach for water? No, we call out to God. That's, that's part of what makes a fast significant and important and good for us spiritually because we are not reaching for food and water. In our time of need, and our time of pain, we are praying. It causes us to pray to God, to trust in God, to, to focus more time on God than our bodily desires. And that's what David is doing here. Now, I don't know that David is fasting, but regardless... He is in a place, either literally or, 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 or spiritually, that he says, God, my body is, is, is fainting, but it is fainting for you. God, I am thirsty, but I am thirsty for you. I'm not thirsty for water. I'm not thirsty for food. God, I want you more than I want anything. And that needs to be our heart and our attitude. Maybe maybe you are in a spiritual desert in your life, and I do believe as Christians we get in those those situations sometimes. Now, maybe it's, it's a Lord's way of getting our attention. Perhaps it's a situation like Job, where sometimes uh, God allows us to go through certain trials, certain deserts, so we will call out to Him. Perhaps it's because of some of our sin that we are in the spiritual desert, if we are in one now or should ever be one. Maybe uh, we have wandered away from God into a place that is, that is lush and provided for, and we have wandered away from the goodness of God, and we have wandered our way into a desert. Well, the best thing to do is to seek God, and to thirst for God, and to long for God, and that's what David did here, and he says in verse two, so I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. Who did David need in the desert? He needed the Lord, why? Because it was the Lord's strength and the Lord's glory that was going to get David through his situation. And we must do the same. We must must focus on God. We must say, all right, God, I trust in you. I trust in your strength. All of this for your glory. God, let me see your glory. Let me feel your presence. Let me know that you are here. God, restore my soul, as Psalm 23 says. Uh, That's what we want, is the Lord to restore our soul. And that's what David wants here in the midst of his thirst. He's thirsting for God. He says in verse 3, My lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. Now that's, that's a powerful little, little second part to that verse. Your faithful love is better than life. David says, I would rather have you, God, than anything. What is life? Well, life is health. Life is wealth. Life is good times. Life is fame. Life is fortune. That's what life is. And David says, God, your faithful love is better than life. David knew where to go for his thirst to be quenched. There's a lot of folks in the world, and maybe some of us in this room, that have not figured that out yet. That God's faithful love is better than life. There are many people in this world, and they they want life. They want eternal life. It's a lot of folks in this world spending a lot of money to figure out how they can live longer, to figure out how they can live forever. Isn't that something how humanity is always, that's been the goal of humanity, the idea that, that people want to live forever? You go back to ancient societies and people sacrificing kids and all this crazy stuff that they would do. They wanted immor- immortality. They were looking for ways to live forever. People out exploring the world on the ocean. What were they looking for? The fountain of youth. They're looking for a fountain they can drink from and live forever. You watch Indiana Jones and what were they looking for? They were looking for that cup to take a drink out of and they could live forever. It's amazing how that's the focus of many people throughout the history of the world as they want to live forever. They want life. But they don't know what life is. What they're looking for is is health and wealth, and to keep taking breath in this old body and this old world. But David says, that ain't life. He says, God, your faithful love is better than life. It's better than what this life has to offer. And so David says, I want you, God. I want you more than anything. I thirst for you more than anything. I'm in a desert. I'm up against an enemy. I'm at a hard time. But God, I want you. God, I'm not seeking weapons. I'm not seeking armor. I'm not seeking security and money. I'm not seeking food. I'm not seeking anything. God, I'm seeking you because you're better than life. You're better than my enemy. You're better than anything I could do. So God, I'm not going to worry about my situation, but God, I want you. Now, that's a good place to be. That's a good place to be, and that's a place that it is a good place for us to be as well. He says in verse 4, So I will praise you as long as I live. At your name, I will lift up my hands. You satisfy me with rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Here we see this idea of praise kind of repeat itself in this little section here. And he says, look, you satisfy me as with rich food or with fatness, something like that your translations may say. The best of the best. You you satisfy me as with rich food. Now, think about something that you really like to eat. Doesn't matter what it is. Everybody in here has something that you really like to eat. It might be black-eyed peas and cornbread. It might be raisin canes chicken. It might be a big old ribeye cooked just right. It might be a 12-piece McNugget. Whatever it is, everybody in here has something that they love to eat. And it's good when you eat it, right? It satisfies you. And man, it makes you feel good. And you eat too much of it because it's so satisfying. When you get through, you're full, but you feel satisfied. So we understand what it means to eat the fatness or to eat rich food. And David says, you satisfy me as with rich food. So if we are satisfied with the things of this world that we eat, how much more satisfied should we be with God? And that's what David said. God, I am satisfied with what? I am satisfied with you. We'd we'd probably all be a lot better off if we were satisfied. But oftentimes we're not satisfied. We're not satisfied with what we have. We want something more. But David says, I'm satisfied. What was he satisfied with? He was satisfied... With God. And so he says, I am satisfied with you. You satisfy me as with rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Verse 6 When I think of you as I lie on my bed, I meditate on you during the night watches. Now, if the first verse is correctly translated, I, I seek you early, then this kind of closes the day. David starts off seeking God and he ends the day seeking God. He seeks God early when his feet hit the ground. He seeks God eagerly when his feet hit the ground. And here he says, And uh, when I think of you as I lie on my bed, I meditate on you during the night watches. So all throughout the night, David meditates on the Lord. He thinks about the Lord in his bed. He prays to the Lord all night and he gets up praying to the Lord and praising the Lord. And that might be a good time for us to play, pray as well. Perhaps that's the only quiet time we have is in our bed, and nowadays that might not even be quiet. Nowadays we may go to bed listening to something or watching something, and we might fall asleep with noise playing all day, and we might have noise 24 hours a day. But David in those days, back when things may have been a little quieter, maybe they weren't, but he says, God, I meditate you on... On the night watches, all throughout the night as I lay in my bed, God, I think about you. Then he goes on to say, Because you are my helper, I will rejoice in the shadow of your wings. I, will, I follow close to you. Your right hand holds on to me. Now that's an interesting phrase we see there. He says, I will rejoice in the shadow of your wings. This is a phrase that we see repeated throughout scripture we saw a similar phrase whenever we were going through the book of Ruth and I think it's uh, used a few times in the Psalms and here we see it again in the shadow of God's wings as though uh, the imagery there is that God is a bird with a with a big wing and just as a bird would wrap its wing around the baby birds to keep them safe so God wraps his wings around us so we are in the shadow of his wings that's a good place to be as Christians, it is a good place to be in the security of God, in the shadow of His wings. That is the best place to be. But the worst place to be is when we are outside of those wings. And perhaps there have been times in your life where you, because of sin, find yourself outside of the wing. You are not seeking God. You are not obedient to God. You are not finding security and satisfaction in God. You are seeking it somewhere else. You have left the shadow of God's wing. And you have gone out into a dangerous and deadly and scary world. And that's a bad place to be. And the quicker we realize that we are out of the shadow, the quicker we can get back into the shadow. And David says, I'm in the shadow of your wings. He says, your right hand holds on to me. That same type of imagery that the wing covers us or that the the hand is, is holding on to us. Think about the hand of God. Now, God is a spirit, but we see this this type of anthropomorphic language about God, giving Him these 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 this human description. Uh, but when we think about God, you think about a big, mighty God and, and a big, strong hand that He would have that would be big enough to scoop all of us up and and close us tightly in that hand, and no one could open that fist, no one could open that hand, no one can. Bring us harm when we are in the hand of God. And David says, your right hand holds on to me. Perhaps we could think of it in this way too. If you were were in a situation where you were uh, about to fall, you slipped on the edge of a cliff and you were hanging over the edge and a hand reaches down and grabs a hold of you and grabs your hand and you know that you're not going to fall. And that God is going to lift you up as scary and as difficult as the time may be with all the horror and the terror and the death that looms beneath you and the fear that's in you. The hand of God reaches down and grabs a hold of you and says, I'm going to pull you up. David says, I'm in the shadow of your wings, God. I look forward to your hand holding on to me. But what about those who seek to destroy David? Well, let's see in verse 9. Those who seek to destroy my life will go into the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the power of the sword. They will become the jackal's prey. So David was up against an enemy. He was in hard times, but he was not worried. We ain't seen any sign of worry up to this point. We just seen David saying, God, you are my God, and I'm going to trust you, and I know that you're going to take care of me, and I ain't worried about my enemies. He says, those who seek to destroy my life will go into the depths of the earth. They will go to the grave. They will be buried in a hole, but not David. David will be delivered by God. And he says, they will be given over to the power of the sword. They will become jack the jackals' prey. Those who were against enemy, uh, excuse me, against David, uh, were, were David's enemy. They were seeking harm to David. Uh, They were the predator, and David was the prey, but soon the tables would turn. Soon they would be the prey, and they would be destroyed. But David, he would be okay. The Lord would deliver him. And so in verse 11, he closes, but the king, that is David, he's the king, but the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by him will boast, for the mouths of liars will be shut. David says, I'm going to trust in you. David said, the day is coming when those who trust in you will boast, but the mouths of the liars will be shut. And if we put our faith in God, there's coming a day that we will be able to boast in the Lord. There are many liars in our world today. There are many people who speak against God, who speak against the truth of God's Word, who speak against Jesus Christ, who call God's Word a lie, who, who sow all kind of deceit and evil and hatred. And boy, they want to shut the gospel of Jesus Christ up. They want to shut you and I up. And they think that they are successful every time a a Christian is in prison and a Christian is killed and a church shuts down and church numbers begin to dwindle. And they think that they are successful, the world does, but they are not. The world and those who reject Jesus Christ, they boast. They boast in their powers, they boast in their abilities, they boast in their evil, they boast in their lies and their deceit. But one day their mouths will be shut but not so for us who are in Jesus Christ. And on that day we will boast. We will boast in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior who gave his life and was resurrected. We will boast in God who is a righteous and just God who will bring judgment to those who deserve it and who will bring deliverance to those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. And we will boast in God and his goodness. And those who reject God, their mouths will be shut and so let us do what David did. Let us live like David lived. Let us in our lives say, God, you are my God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we come to you tonight and we thank you for this good psalm. And I pray that in our lives we would be more like David. God, that we would seek you and hunger and thirst for you in the midst of our physical deserts and in the midst of our of our spiritual deserts, dear Lord, in whatever form those deserts come to our life, God, let us seek you to get out of them. Let us seek you to get through them, your strength and your power. And God, I pray that we would trust you, that we would not give up, that we would not give in. God, we know that you will serve justice when the day and the time is right. So God, let us hold on to you and let us boast in you. God, knowing that you are victorious. God, let us let us live in the shadow of your wing. And God, if if we are not, maybe some of us tonight or maybe in the future, living in the shadow of your wings, if we get away from Your shadow of your wings, dear Lord, I pray that you would reach down with your mighty right hand and you would grab a hold of us and you'd pull us back in. You'd pull us away from the world and pull us into your presence. Because, God, there's nowhere that's better to be. God, the worst thing in the world is to be out of your presence. But the best thing in the world is to be in your presence. So God, I pray tonight that we would find ourselves in your presence through Jesus Christ. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.